Many of us uh, will remember uh, in 2016 the tragic death of Joe Cox. A deeply tragic incident in which the MP was brutally murdered whilst going about her business as a servant of the nation. In many respects, we still see the impact of that incident today in politics. But you may not know, I didn't, uh, that after her death, an organisation was set up called More in Common. An organisation which aims to build communities that are more united, more together. In a world of division and enemies, we have more in common, the organisation says. And last month, uh, they released some astonishing research that they've been doing in various places. And this particular research was done in the USA called Hidden Tribes. This research was all about the various different political and social views and moral views across America. It was looking at why society seems so divided. And the research is fascinating because it revealed that perhaps we aren't as divided as we think we are. If you divided America into people, you can group it like this. Broadly speaking, 8% of America are kind of on the left politically, uh, right, right at the edges on the left. They're activists, passionate, committed to convincing others of their view. And then on the right, you've got the activists as well. You've got both traditional conservatives and devoted conservatives. Again, passionate and committed to convincing others of their viewpoint. Both of these views, left and right, are in direct contrast with each other on so many viewpoints. Almost, they're at war with each other. Complete opposites on a whole variety of perspectives, ethical, religious, sexual, political, racial, economic issues. And the interesting thing is that it is these groups that are often the most vocal on social media and the most vocal and the most representative on mainstream media. Why? Because, of course, people want alternative views because it makes entertaining viewing. But the reason for mentioning this today is not some social, political, interesting discussion. is because something struck me about the research. It's what the report called the rest of us. The nearly 70% of the public, they used this term, the exhausted majority. Most of us aren't as divided as we think. Frankly, most of us are just trying to get on with life. We may be more left-leaning or more right-leaning on a whole variety of different things, but we're basically tired of all this division and tired of many things, the exhausted majority. And this phrase got me thinking about church. Because if I was going to ask for a show of hands, and I'm not, so don't worry, how many like that term because it reflects them, how many of us would put our hands up? I'm guessing the majority of us would. We're just tired. Trying to do our best, falteringly in every area of life to keep on going. 
And we want to be in a community in which we belong and just be real about what's going on in our lives where we're known for who we are and we're needed for what part we play in community. And we're fed up with all the them and us all the time, the division, the battles, the strain, the stress. Well, I want to suggest that what is happening today is a huge antidote to this division and strain. In the book of Colossians in the Bible, we read some stunning words. Here they are. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. These are some words that are written to one of the earliest church communities and something astonishing has happened. No division. This is a church that reflects the city it's in. There's Gentiles, there's Jews, there's slaves, there's frees, there's barbarians, Scythians. But in the church, all those titles, Christ is all and is in all. The old divisions of Gentile and Jew at war are gone. Barbarians who wouldn't have anything to do with pious Jews, the barrier gone. Scythians, if you don't know who the Scythians are, I had to look it up. Apparently they're sort of modern day Russians. <laughs> That's not the sort of nationality. They are what we would call in today's terms feral. Ancient historians put them one step above wild beasts. Vicious, violent. And yet in the church, Christ is all and is in all. And even for slave and the free, no longer. Christ is all and is in all. How? Because of Jesus. The one place where we are all valuable, all valued, is here, right here, right now in church. There is a seat at the table for you. And today, we are witnessing and taking part in two of the oldest pictures of Christianity, a baptism and communion. They're two things that Christians all throughout history have practiced wherever in the world. I visited the oldest known baptism pool in North Africa. Spectacular to see when in just the first couple of centuries, Christians were getting baptized as you and will be doing later on. And then we're going to, in a moment, celebrate communion. A table laid out for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. Where we come not as Tim, as Steve, as Jody, as Jessica, whatever the names may be. We come as friends and as family, as equal. Not as left or right, not as exhausted or pumped. Not as ugly or buff. Whatever labels you might put on yourself. We come as family, equals at the table. All are welcome here, there's a seat for you. Whoever you are, whatever society tells you about you, whatever you think about you. And let me give an example of this. At the end of one of the greatest books in the Bible, the book of Romans, we have a list of names that were kind of the church. 
And it's one of those bits of the Bible that when you get to it, you read over it and it's all great. Their name's brilliant. We don't really resonate with it. But as you burrow down into some of those names, some astonishing stories come back. Let me give you one example. In Romans 16, we read these words. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. You've got the elite, Erastus, the city's director of public works in Rome. Sadiq Khan, the equivalent of. The ruler of the city in many respects. And our brother Quartus. Now, I don't know if you know, in Rome, only certain people were regarded as personas, people. Slaves were not. And so slaves often were not given names, but were given numbers. Slave number one, slave number two. Slave number three, Tertius. Slave number four, Quartus. And here you have the elite, the rulers, and the slaves who don't even get a name greet you as brother and sister. Friends, there is a seat at the table for you. Whoever you are, because Christ died for you. So that's communion. But there's another thing we're going to witness, which is this, baptism. And baptism, if you don't know, is a very vivid picture of exactly what Jesus has done. And it's worth just explaining it for a moment. The children are going to have it explained to them in their groups. What Ewan is going to do is going to go into a pool outside of water. Great. What that is, is a very, very vivid picture of dying and then rising up. It's a public statement of you, and as we've heard, saying, I now am a Jesus's. He's all. I'm putting aside, I'm dying to a different way of life. I am determined from this day forwards because he's done his all for me. He died for me and came back to life. So I am going to go down into the pool, representing that forgiveness and being washed of all of that stuff and being set free to a new life. And that is good news. Whoever you are, whatever society says about you, whatever label you have in your head about you, the God of the universe died for you, rose up from the dead for you, so that the old is gone and in Christ. There is no labels. Done. There's a story of it in the book of Acts where Paul and his friend Silas are in prison for telling people about Jesus. You may know the story. And what happens is that they're, they're kind of singing and it's all great. And the jailer is kind of, there's a strong, this is, you know, obviously in Philippi, this is a rough place to be. And then suddenly there's this kind of earthquake happens, all freaks out. And the jailer is in fear of his life because the prisoners are going to escape. And he goes into Paul and Silas and sees that they haven't escaped. And he says these words, sir, what must I do to be saved? The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He told him, 
brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household, including slaves, including everybody. It's all available, whoever you are. Help, they say. It's all about what Jesus has done. And then look at what happens as a direct response. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were what? Were baptised. Because he realised all that Jesus had done for them and he'd accepted that salvation that his past could be done. And so I want to get baptised too. Christ is all and is in all. The enemy is gone. He's no longer jailer and prisoner. The empire against the criminal. No, I want to be one of you. And look at what he does next. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. As a result of following Jesus, he gets baptised, which we're going to see. And then he simply serves them. Serves the criminals that an hour before he'd had in chains. Here there is no slave or free. Christ is all and is in all. Service is a direct response to recognising we have been served by the God of the universe. How then can we not serve our brother and sister, whoever they are, whoever we are? I have this very vivid picture in my mind of Erastus being served by Quartus and then Quartus being served communion by Erastus. Slave and free. Friends, there's a place at the table for you and there's a seat at the table for us to serve each other. Why? Because we're served by the God of the universe. How then can we not serve each other as equals loved by the God of the universe? So in a moment, we're gonna come and celebrate communion. We're gonna share it remembering all that Jesus has done for us, removing those labels, removing that past. Death defeated. Jesus rose again. And then we're going to witness a baptism, that vivid picture. But as we're in here, there's something I want to highlight that we're going to do. As we come to communion, there's going to be four points, each aisle, going to come and have communion, great. And then on the way back, you'll pick up one of these cards. There's going to be some cards. And because we have declared, as it were, yes, I'm with Jesus. Jesus has made me new, taken away all those barriers. Then our response is one of serving each other. And we've got a very simple card. And there's two very simple tick boxes on it. One is simply us saying, I feel that the places and ways that I'm serving seem about right at the moment. And I pray that God would use it to build his kingdom. I'm aware that there are many who would call themselves the exhausted majority. And what we're doing, if that's you, you've got no more capacity for anything else, you're just all in, you're full up to the brim, just tick that box as it were as a way of saying, God, please use my humble offering. Fantastic. I've been served by the God of the universe. I give you my life, whatever that looks like. Please use it, Lord. 
But it might be that there are some in the room right now that you know you do have capacity in a way to serve that you're not currently doing. And you might have a feeling of what that could be or just a hunch of an area where you want to serve. Uh, there's a second box that you can tick. And there's simply a line where you can put the gist of something that you want to see. If there's a particular team that you want to serve in a particular area you're passionate about, pop that down there. And can I say, as we mentioned this, one of the teams that really does need more people at the moment is the children's team. It's beautiful to hear both Sarah and Rob sharing of what God does with their humble offerings. And it might be there are people in this room now that you've either ne you'd not got your own children or they're long, you know, they're grown up now. You used to be involved in kids' teams, but that was in your past. Can I encourage you, if you've got capacity to maybe put down children there, we need more in the children's teams in the new year. So please do think about that. But whatever that looks like. So we'll come up for communion. On your way back, grab one of these cards with a pen. Fill it in and then on your way out as we go to witness this baptism, we can celebrate saying, God, I give you my service or I'm up for serving in a very different way. So can I invite us to stand? Please stand. <laughs>